You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome back to another episode of Beside the Badge. My name is Paul Buckner, civilian police chaplain and your host for this podcast. Uh, get in, sit down, buckle up, get ready for the ride. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode talking about uh, being a husband, being a, a godly man and a husband. Now, um, this is all applicable to the ladies. I just happen to be a man and I talk from a man's perspective, oddly enough. And uh, behind me, if you're watching the video version of this podcast on my wall, let's see if I can get my finger over here, you will notice that it says man of God, and then it says husband on patches. I had these made and sent in. They look awesome. And so one says man of God and it is directly above the one that says husband. And there's a reason for that. That list might actually grow over the next couple of episodes. You never know. But what we're talking about is being a man of God in the first episode. So if you missed that, go back and check out that episode. And then being a husband, because so much of this builds one on the other. Being that man of God is the foundation for being that good and godly husband. So many times as men, I mean, we have our selfish wishes and, and thoughts and desires and our own goals, our own agendas in life. And if we're not careful, we can act more like boys than men. And there, there are heartbreaking situations I've seen both in the law enforcement world beside the badge, watching families fall apart um, that are whether they're law enforcement families or or more often and more likely the families that I've seen when we go to these calls, because a lot of times the worst moments of our lives as private citizens, law enforcement's involved, the death of a loved one, um, domestic violence, or uh, a car accident, a summons to court, uh, being being served with divorce papers, all of those terrible things. Oftentimes law enforcement is there to either deliver the news or to, uh, or they're just there because. And so life is messy and we have selfish thoughts and human desires and all these things. And as men, a lot of times we're very bullheaded and there's a lot of ego there. And oddly enough, when we get our priorities right, it's amazing when the gears begin to mesh instead of grind, it's amazing what can happen. So talking about being a godly husband, um, Mark Gunger has uh, an amazing conference he does in a book, I believe by the same title, but the conference is called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. And I, I want to stop and highly recommend that to you guys now. My wife and I probably a decade ago, uh, we were really struggling to learn each other. We'd both been married before. Um, my wife was married for a decade and lost her husband in an accident. And then um, I had been married for a couple of years and it was a very volatile relationship. Um, I am not a physically abusive person, uh, nor verbally abusive. And let's just say that I was not equally yoked in that regard. And, um, and I have been blessed the second time around after having been left and very heartbroken, um, having gone through a terrible divorce and all the things that go with it, having seen the damage that it does to children, uh, in my own life with what, what I saw happen to my son and the torment he went through in his childhood, I get the brokenness that comes with the human condition. And I get what can happen when a marriage goes sideways, when, when people are not the right godly husbands or wives that they're supposed to be. So I've got a little bit of experience, of experience about how it can go wrong. And I've also got some experience with how it can go right. So my wife and I were really struggling. Uh, it was a second marriage for both of us. We both had baggage from a first marriage and, and other relationships 
Um, I had waited on the Lord to bring me the wife he wanted me to have because I had decided apparently I was not smart enough to pick one. And uh, I was alone for three and a half lonely years. I did not play the field. I was not sleeping around. So I was I was very lonely during that time. But I didn't want Miss Wright now. I wanted Mrs. Wright for life. I wanted the one that was going to be um, with me forever. I wanted the one whom my soul loves. And so uh, Mark Gunger's Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage was a conference that my wife and I went to. We had been through a lot of different counseling and we were we were both kind of shadow boxing with people who weren't still in our marriage. And uh, my wife, not with her first husband, uh, but with a boyfriend that had been very emotionally controlling and, and somewhat abusive. And so not physically abusive, but just emotionally. And so, so she was kind of shadow boxing there with him. And I was definitely in a full on brawl with my first marriage and didn't realize how much forgiveness needed to happen. And I had made a lot of stupid promises to myself that won't ever happen again. I won't allow that to happen. I won't put up with that. And I was still very much hurting. So I kind of had, uh, I've likened this many times as an analogy. I'm, I'm holding a coffee cup for those that are listening and I'm wrapping my hand around the side of it. And we all want to be held and loved, but kind of like a, a cup of coffee. I'm having a hard time not sipping that right now. It's good coffee. Um, but anyway, uh, we have a tendency as people we want to be held. We want to be loved. We want to be close to someone. And we have these sharp edges, these rough edges and things that we do to ourselves in life or are done to us. You know, we get treated as kind of a bedpan by someone else in life and um, they defecate and urinate on our life and, and then kind of like walk away laughing. We've all had those things happen to some degree or another. And if you're in law enforcement, you're like, uh, yeah, that's a pretty good analogy for what I do. Uh, you know, what happens to me in my job? And uh, people sometimes think they, they have the right to take out their anger on law enforcement when law enforcement had nothing to do with why law enforcement's there. They got called there because these adults can't be adults and handle their problems. So now law enforcement's there trying to help them. So why Mark Gunger? Why laugh your way to a better marriage? We went, I was hearing it advertised on the radio. I was really, we, we'd spent a lot of money on counseling. We weren't going to get divorced, but we sure weren't as happy as we, we could have been. We were really trying to get all of our ducks in a row, but uh, someone had given them an espresso and they were all at a rave and it was just not working. And we were trying to find some traction and get out of the quagmire as it were. And so we went to this uh, conference and we ended up laughing and learning a lot about each other, about ourselves, that there are things that men do naturally. There are things that women do naturally and that as much as society, and I think that was one of the most damaging things in our marriage was society lies to us. And society is like, well, men and women, there's no difference between men and women. Malarkey, bulldookie. Uh, men and women might as well be two completely different species. And so I, I was blessed. My wife was blessed. And we actually, and I'm looking forward to it. We actually watch uh, the seminar. We bought it on DVD. We actually watch it about once a year. We go through and watch it. And it was a life-changing thing for us because we began to understand each other better uh, constantly. And I believe his uh, conference is actually up on YouTube. Definitely recommend the book. Um, the conference was amazing. Um, it really 
really worked for my wife and I to to learn each other. And one of the most interesting things is Mark Gunger has you, you go to YouTube and look up men's brains, women's brains and watch that that little skit he does. That's how he approaches this. So he is uh, people of all backgrounds, whether you're you have a faith background or not really enjoy his material. And he talks about, in many cases, some of his biggest fans are people who are not believers, they're not Christians at all. And I, I walked up to him and thanked him um, because even halfway through the conference, I knew that it was going to be one of those things that was life-changing. And it had this enormous impact on my wife and on myself. And I cannot stress enough to you, you need to go watch this thing. You need to, you buy it on DVD, um, go to one of his conferences, buy his book. And um, he takes a lot of biblical principles. And a lot of times we look for things in our spouse that, number one, we need to be finding in our relationship with the Lord. Number two, we need to be realizing that our spouse can be there for our happiness and they can experience it with us, but they are, they're a byproduct of our happiness. We can actually make them happier by the way we treat them. But they are not going to be solely responsible. They cannot, they will not be solely responsible for our happiness. And um, aside from Mark Gunger, um, I have a friend that I have seen him as a husband destroy his marriage. And he expected, he, he had this idea in his head that his wife was single-handedly responsible for his happiness. That she was to be home. And when he came in the door, she was to be there in every way, providing solely for his happiness. Um, I don't know where he got this idea because he didn't experience it as a kid, but somehow he had this thing in his head that she lived to make him happy. And you, you cohabitate, you are in the same place at the same time. And, um, I can, I can help my wife's happiness. I, I can encourage her and build her up. And I will tell you as a husband, I do so. Now, um, I definitely do more building up of my marriage than tearing down, but I do make mistakes. Sometimes I snap at my wife. I'm not perfect. <gasps> Shocker. But we, we can help our spouse's happiness. Hang on one second while I sip this delectable, delicious coffee. It's been calling to me while I've been sitting here talking. We like my wife wanted to go into a new career path and I listened. It was going to be a huge challenge. It was going to have its stresses. It was going to have moments where I was going to have to take on more responsibility. And I'm already somebody that takes on a lot of responsibility around the house. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But I realized that this was something that my wife was being steered into by God. She has a ministry that she does uh, working with women, encouraging women. Uh, and, um, works in a skincare environment. So a lot of women struggle with their looks. It's a, an American woman problem, uh, primarily, and, uh, something that's in, endemic to our culture and women just, they don't think they look good and they try really, really hard. And, and she spends a lot of time talking to ladies about who they are in God and their inner beauty as much as their outer beauty. So I realized that this was something my wife was being called into and she has a powerful ministry. So. I, I'm like, baby, I love you. And I was kind of like the lattice work that the vine that is my wife climbed up. I was there to encourage her and build her up. And my belief is as a man, and I think this applies to women, I was to draw out the best in my wife, to draw out, to say it again, the best in my wife. And so 
there, there are certain vining plants that if you leave them on the ground and they, they go across the ground, they, they, they produce leaves and they vine, but they don't ever produce fruit and, uh, or they don't produce it as much, but if they can go up like a trellis, if they can go up a, a lattice work, they, they produce massive amounts of fruit. And that I think is oftentimes us as people. Now we can draw out the best in our spouse. And I, and I will tell you, my wife has said things to me at times where, um, it has floored me with the way that she has spoken to me in a good way. Now we've definitely had our moments where we've spoken some, some, some hate and vitriol to each other, but she, she would say things to me like, babe, I respect the way that you do this. And by the way, in insider tip here, if you're a lady listening to this, um, there are, are two things that a wife needs to hear. A woman needs to hear. She needs to, she needs to be feel, to feel safe in a relationship, to be herself and to, to grow, but she also needs to feel loved and she needs to experience that love. However that looks, and we'll talk about, um, love languages in just a moment, but she needs to experience that love. And, uh, she needs, she needs to know, and she could care less um, she could care less if she is respected by her husband, but she needs to know that she's loved and she needs to feel loved, whatever that looks like for her, her love language. Uh, for a man, a man needs to feel respected. And I will tell you that I have seen in our culture, a culture of, of speaking disrespectfully to a husband and, and women will hear that. Some women will hear that and go, oh, he's a chauvinist. And no, what I mean is, why would you want to tear somebody down? Imagine how you feel. And if you're in a relationship that's destructive right now, I'm sorry. And I'll pray for you. Uh, but I have literally seen women. I was standing with a guy one day that um, his wife was talking. I made a comment about something that had gone wrong during a, a, a home improvement project. And she goes, oh, that's so you and pokes him in the arm. She's like, he can't fix anything to save his life. And I'm thinking, and I just watched him wilt as a human being. I just watched him. And, and she speaks very harmfully to her husband. Um, she tears down her marriage. And imagine, imagine trying to build a house and you've got a brick in one hand and you're trying to put mortar in and you're trying to build it brick by brick. And then, and then every time you put a brick up, you're smashing two or three bricks that you've already put in there. That's what we do when we, when we speak unlovingly, when we speak in a way that is harmful and disrespectful to our marriages. Last night I was at a wedding and the gentleman wrote vows and I don't know that it resonated with his spouse to be, but he said, you have no idea how much I respect you. And for a lady that doesn't really feed the bulldog, but what he was saying was a very deep and powerful thing in a woman's, in a woman's environment, they speak very lovingly. And so, so nurturing and lovingly, and you're beautiful, you're special, you know, you're my friend, you're awesome. You got this girl, you go girl. It's a very loving thing. And now women can tear each other down. I'm not saying they don't in a man's world. It's based on in a man's, in a man's psyche, it's based on respect. And love and respect, by the way, that's a powerful book, love and respect, look it up. Uh, but love and respect are two things that go hand in hand. And my wife turned to me, she said it three or four times in 17 years of marriage, but she has turned to me at some of the worst moments in my life when I was really, really hurting. I, I had a, a 0809, the, the, the big economic 
all the collapse was going on and I was really struggling to keep a company open, an IT business open, and I was trying to pay the rent. And I, my, I think I'm getting like a stress eye blink even just thinking about it. And I was thinking about how I was going to have to let three employees go, and and I was going to go through a bankruptcy if I wasn't careful. And by the grace of God, I pulled out of that nosedive. But um, I, I was literally, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say it, I was literally laying there in bed at night, sobbing, going, "How am I going to get out of this?" and trying to trust the Lord to get me through it. And she she came up to me the way that I had come up to her a hundred times before. And I had slipped my arms around my wife and held her while she cried, dealing with family issues or whatever. And I would I would say, I love you. You've got this. Let's pray about this. God, God did not bring us this far to abandon us. His word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It also says, even unto the end of the age, but it also says that his mercies are new every morning. And I try to live that. I try to live a life that is loving towards my wife. She slipped her arms around me and I'm substantially larger than she is. She's like five one and a buck thirty, and I'm like six four and two twenty. And she manages to get her arms around me and she's holding me and she prayed for me. And she's like, um, she's like, Lord God, you have no much no idea how much I or he has no idea how much I respect him. God knows, but you know, but he he has no idea how much I respect him. And she began to name the things that she respected about me. If you're a woman and you're listening to this, that is a man's life's blood. And if you if you want to draw things, and this is for both spouses, man or woman, if you want to draw out the best in your spouse, focus on the things that they do well. Don't tear them down. Don't rehearse your next fight. Don't don't get in the car on the way home and be like, okay, so if she says this, if he says that, I've got this really this zinger, and I've got this right hook. I'm going to nail him with. I'm going to jab him with this thing that I'm going to say. No. You know, we're not here for verbal jujitsu. Uh, you know, we're not here to, to verbally pummel verbally pummel one another. Um, how do we focus on those things? And early on in my marriage, I was terrible at this. Uh, full disclosure, I was great at reminding my wife of mistakes that she made. And um, I'm kind of ashamed of the guy I was 17 years ago. Uh, largely because of a failed marriage, I was trying so hard to prevent this one from going sideways that I, I, I was actually causing it to go sideways. And I began to realize that the way we speak about our spouse when they aren't there, and this comes back to respect, this comes back to love. If I'm speaking in an unloving way about my wife, if she's speaking in a, in a, a way that is disrespectful of me, um, we're actually damaging our, our marriage. We're, we're breaking and cracking and shattering the foundation of our relationship. And hanging out with people that are bitter uh, about the relationship they're in is damaging to our relationship too. So what does it look like? Well, that looks like sitting there when talking to somebody going, oh my gosh, you cannot believe the stupid things that my wife does. Why, why would you do that? You're setting yourself up for failure instead of, instead of talking about the places that they have strengths, um, brag on your spouse in public with people, uh, not like, you know, my wife is so hot or my, you know, my husband's so handsome, uh, whatever. I, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, um, talk about their strengths and, you know, think of it, if your marriage is in trouble and it's hurting, think of it as rehabbing an injured animal. Speak life into it. Do some CPR on your marriage. And you have to keep the main thing the main thing. You have to keep your marriage a focal point. It has to come just behind your relationship with God. And so we can speak in ways that are not loving. And I, I tended to not be a man that was forgiving. Um, I have friends that are like, oh, you're like one of the most forgiving people I know. I'm like, well, that's God because by nature, I'm not a forgiving person. 
And they're like, wow, I just can't see that. And I'm like, well, that's, you don't know the old me. And so as I begin to realize, and, and Mark Gunger's Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage really put a lot of this in the front seat where I really, it brought it up, put it under the microscope and let me see it. Where I was like, um, wow, okay, I just made some mistakes there. I just realized that that's a problem. And it showed me a lot of the mistakes I was making and I began to speak life into my marriage. And so, very powerful. Another thing that we have a tendency to do in marriage is we tend to put our kids ahead of our marriage. And I don't know how many times I've talked to people that they're like, my children are the most important thing in the world to me. And they mean it in a good way. And so I'm speaking as a man who's raised three children. Um, I have two stepdaughters and I have a son and they're all out of their teens now. And I have watched marriages fail around me. It reminds me of like, like, you know, uh, flying airplanes over Nazi Germany and they're, you're trying to bomb targets and the, the anti-aircraft guns are firing and you look around and air, you know, airplanes are flying, falling out of the sky. Um, we're now at a point in our culture where over 50% of marriages have failed. We're at a point in our culture where now if your marriage has failed once, odds are, which by the grace of God, my wife and I've beaten those odds that you will end up in another relationship that fails. I'm going to take a coffee sip break. But it doesn't have to be like that. We can speak life into our marriage and we can set our priorities right. So uh, at that really great point to stop, I'm going to take a quick moment and thank my sponsors. So today, if you're watching the video version of this, you can see this awesome shirt I got from Gentle Response, John Lee O'Reilly, uh, De-Escalation Skills. And by the way, how to speak to someone has blessed my marriage as much as it's done anything else being able to de-escalate, to build relationships, to build ground, not merely to tear down. And we as people, <clears throat> we're really good at tearing down verbally. Most of us have an ability to tear down verbally and and, to, and not to, to do things the way we need to do lovingly. And so whether you are using verbal de-escalation skills in, um, in your time behind the badge or you are using them uh, at home, uh, they are very valuable skills and being able to speak to people in a way that is that de-escalate situations instead of escalating them. I've seen wonderful police officers have terrible marriages because they take their problems home. Uh, but we don't have to do that. John Lee O'Reilly, gentle response, helping officers to de-escalate that I was thinking about this this morning. The only, the only tool that the bad guy can't strip off of you. I, I have a friend that was in a bad fight where, where two bad guys literally grabbed his body armor and tore his vest and carrier completely off of him and knocked a taser out of his hand. And he literally fought to a draw and had to draw down with his gun on them, fought them to a draw, a standstill, got back, drew his weapon and pointed it at him. He's like, I'll kill you. And because they were going to kill him. Um, the only, the only tool, the only weapon that the bad guy can't take from us is uh, our verbal skills, how we think, um, how we act in that time, the, the, the tools that we bring with us that are up here, they can't take from us. Uh, I think that's a very powerful thing. Um, John Lee O'Reilly, gentle response, got your six coffee. Uh, literally my favorite coffee. I'm sitting here drinking cup of Joe out of my founders members mug here. I love this coffee. I know that there's purpose in every cup that every time I drink this coffee, I'm changing the life of a policeman, an EMT, a firefighter, a paramedic, or someone who has served in our armed forces. 
And I'm good with that. I love that. There's purpose in every cup. Followed by my friend Matt Combs with Shield Force International. Whether you need tactical training, whether you need uh, something for your church to protect the flock, uh, whether you need to recognize the signs of, of danger to your family, uh, whether you need to make sure that your wife and your kids are protected uh, at home, or you need to survive the ambush as someone who is in law enforcement, a man or woman who is in law enforcement, you need to check out Matt Combs with Shield Force International, a friend, a mentor, an instructor that I intend to study everything from. I will tell you what, if he told me right now that he was teaching high altitude tactical knitting, I would take that course. That's how good he is. So back to talking about prioritizing and being a husband, or, or in this case, or a wife, we tend to, as parents, we tend to say things like, my children mean the world to me, which is good. Um, they are they are my life. They are my highest priority. And what we have to remember is the kids grow up and the kids move out. And when I first heard this, I was like, wow, what a, what a harsh thing to say. That is not what that means at all. It's not saying, oh, my kids aren't important to me. It's saying, if we get ourselves so busy that we are passing like ships in the night, if we get ourselves so busy that we're running home and and little Timmy's going to this, and little Becky's going to that, and little Bobby's going to this, little Susie's going to that, if we're not careful, we won't see each other. And, and my wife and I realized early on in our marriage that one of the things that we were going to have to do was prioritize. And so her two girls... Uh, they wanted to do all kinds of different things. And there was ball practices and, and all kinds of things that were kind of coming along. And they both liked to compete in horseback uh, competitions. And my wife and I talked about it. And, and I said, look, I don't want to do this thing where we're running. I mean, I've got my son and, and I'm gone at least one night a week with him already. And, um, and over here, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go get him every other weekend. I mean, I, I was divorced and, uh, and I didn't want that for my kid, but here it is. And I'm like, I already have this mess that I'm dealing with and I'm, I'm going to pour as much of myself into my kid as I can. But when I'm home, I want to be home. So how do we find a way to, to have a strong marriage and build this foundation and not be running constantly, but the girls can still enjoy the things that they love. So we sat the girls down and talked to them. We're talking 17 years ago. They're adults now. And we're like, uh, you each get to pick one thing that you love that you want to do, a sport. And and we included the horseback competitions in that. And they both actually decided, which was really cool, because we, we were fully prepared for the fact that one of them was going to say horses and the other one was going to say ball. And they said, no, we want to do the horseback competitions. And it actually worked out really, really well. Um so we would go to these, what we call shodios and rodeos and different things. And, and the girls would compete. I got into it. I've always enjoyed horses and, and, um, I got, I was blessed with an amazing horse, uh, for probably 15 years. I just lost him this spring. Great animal, incredible horse. And, um, we would go to these things together. My wife would sit in the stands and kind of record things or watch us. And she'd bring a book, visit with a girlfriend that she'd met there or something. And she was there to cheer us on and she loved it. She didn't really want to compete, but she wanted to cheer us on and she loved every minute of it. And the girls and I would compete. And it, at first I had just kind of gone along. And then I was like, you know, why don't I bring one of my horses and actually get into the, the competitions? And I didn't win a lot, but I really enjoyed competing. And the girls were extremely good and they won a lot. And we got to have fun as a family. And I know that doesn't look like that for everybody because you're going to have somebody that wants to do dance 
and and somebody else that wants to do volleyball, somebody that wants to play football, somebody wants to do soccer. I get it. But trying to find a way to not be gone every night of the week is very important to have that kind of priority. Um, I literally have talked to families that they have three kids or four kids, and what they do is they rotate seasons. So this this kid goes to football practice, and the whole family goes and cheers the son on. Uh, the next season, it's softball, and, and they cheer the girl on. And then the next season after that, whatever works for you. Um, but your your marriage and your family as a whole is more important than being divorced and every every kid having their own sport. Because I've seen so many relationships where not seeing each other has destroyed them. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that we're social people and we need to interact with people that we care about. Um, and we, we need to have things inside and outside of the home that we do. So prioritizing our families and our family time, very, very important. Um, dinner together is one of the most important things ever. Be, is sitting down at a dinner table, some of the most powerful memories I have is sitting at the dinner table with my family and eating together. And if you came from a, a broken, destructive childhood, which some of us did, or, or you just came from a single parent home, maybe you didn't experience that. And it's so easy to get away from that. Um, my wife and I, now that the kids are grown, we have to very deliberately focus on, on spending time together and on eating together. And last night, um, we went to a wedding that I really didn't want to go to. Um, they're not really friends of mine, but that's fine. They're in my wife's circle. And, uh, I was there to be supportive of her. I was her plus one. And, we ate dinner after the wedding. Um, I snacked a little bit on the way up to the wedding. It was about 45 minutes away. Um, went and saw people that are almost strangers to me get married. Uh, it was a beautiful service. I got to spend it with the love of my life. And then we went out to dinner and flirted and ate delicious food and uh, and had a great time because we, we set those priorities. We still multiple times a week, my wife and I still sit down, even with our busy schedules, even with the, the requirements that she has, we still sit down together and we still have dinner together. We still talk about our day. And final thought on, on uh, being a, a husband, uh, or in this case, a wife, is we need to be willing to pray with the person that we're in the relationship with. One of the things that I decided in the second time around when I was getting ready to date my wife, we were friends. We would talk on the phone. She would call me for IT support um, for the Christian school she worked with. And I would be talking to her and she would she would have this question and I would walk her through it. And I tease her to this day that she married me for the, for the free tech support. But we became friends. And then I began to pray with her on the phone. And she asked me after I had done that several times, she's like, wow, that's really cool. You know, thank you for doing that. I love it why do you, why do you pray with me every time we're on the phone? And I said, you know, I pray with you because it's good practice. Because if I'm going to have a relationship um, ever again, I want, because I was in a pretty bad spot emotionally at the time, I wanted to be focused on God. And I will tell you, I know things about my wife from praying with her that I wouldn't know any other way. And we have to keep that one of the main things. And and actually here in the last little bit, it slipped a little bit. And as I'm recording this and talking about this, I'm feeling a little bit convicted that I need to be doing that. But um, I know my wife in ways mentally and emotionally that I would never have known her if we didn't pray together. 
and we prayed as friends and and then um, she began to call me to tell me good news and bad news and she wanted to wanted me to pray and thank god for the good things and wanted me to pray and ask god's for god's help and guidance on the bad and the relationship began to build we had a a two-year friendship that has blossomed into a 17-year marriage and um, she'll be the first to tell you that i'm not perfect but when i keep the main thing the main thing and i keep my focus where it needs to be God first and and living that life of loving sacrifice for my spouse, it tends to work better. And when I try to draw her out in, in healthy ways and I'm like, babe, you got this, go girl. Um, it tends to bless our marriage. It's weird. It tends to bless our marriage. And I cannot recommend to you highly enough. I went through three different counselors with my wife when we were probably like five to seven years into our marriage. We went through during that time period, about three different counselors. It was very expensive, very good people working with us. Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage taught more about us as people to me and, and to my wife. I can't really speak for her, but I think I, I think I can. It taught us more about who we are uh, than anything I can, that I can express to you. So Mark Gunger, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. Get the book, get the DVD. Um, he might have digital downloads now. I don't know. I got it long enough ago. It was on DVD. And literally to this day, when my wife and I watch it, we usually watch it in January of whatever new year. And we'll be watching it. She'll go pause it right there. That saved our marriage. Or pause it right there. I never understood that about men. I was married for 10 years and then I was married to you. And I never understood that about men until right then. Um, laugh your way to a better marriage. Very, very powerful uh, conference. And so I'm going to pray us out. I hope that this has blessed you the way that it has blessed me. We need to be men and women of God. We need to be men and women that prioritize our marriage secondly. And in our next episode, I'm going to be talking about children and being a godly, in my case, father, doing my best to be a godly father. It's going to be applicable to the ladies too. So I'm going to pray us out. Uh, dear Holy Father, I thank you for every man and woman that hears this. I ask that you guide them in their marriages and their relationships. Bless them, protect them, heal them where they need as they uh, as they want these things, as they pray for these things, as their heart longs for these things. Lord God, guide them in the ways that they need to go. I lift them up. I ask for your protection over them. Bend the bullets around them. Cause the bad guy to stumble. Lord God, I ask it in the one name that makes it so in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.